Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today we have a guest from the Libertarian Party of Boston. His name is Jeremy, and he's going to tell us about all the exciting things he believes, all the exciting things he supports, and all the exciting things he does. So welcome to the podcast, Jeremy. 100%. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Yes. Oh, I love him. I'm really excited for the discussion to see where it goes. Excellent. Um, That's what we want to hear. Yeah. So, to me, liberty is the language of the oppressed. It is the language of the downtrodden, um, those who have, you know, had their access to freedom restricted in any way, shape, or form, and are now trying to fight back for what they deserve. Um, that is that is kind of like how I view liberty in the lens through which I view it, um, and it's why um, pretty much any member of my of my affiliate will tell you that you know all I, I support them in whatever they want to do. I just hope and I, I really really encourage them pushing the message of liberty is compassion. Um, you know, liberty means freedom for everyone, not just one. Um, and really, that's just it. You know, um, from everything to from homelessness advocacy all the way into, you know, participating with state senate redistricting. Um, you know, we very diverse group of individuals. Interesting. I have not heard the libertarian view expressed in that way. So that is a refreshing way to view it. So what let let's also talk about yourself. It kindly introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah. So I'm Jeremy Thompson. I believe I may be the youngest chair of any affiliate um, in the LP. I am 21. Um, <laughs> uh, born and raised Boston, um, and my affiliate serves the greater Boston area, um, specifically Suffolk County um, and neighboring um, neighborhoods, so the bordering neighborhoods. Um, and essentially members of those bordering neighborhoods get to choose which affiliate they want to be a part of um, because we are the most population-dense affiliate. Um, within Massachusetts. So what do you do for... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, my, my apologies. What do you do for your career or job? Yeah, so I'm a finance guy. Um, I go to Northeastern University. I study finance and accounting management. Um, you know, I run my own business called Little Liberty. Um, essentially, what we do here is benefits consulting as well as individual financial education. Um, and that's that's pretty much why I specialize. It's really about, you know, teaching people about, you know, how to manage their finances, um, how to get all that in order, um, because, you know, that that's really how we start applying, you know, our economic philosophies into every people and into everyday people's lives. So it's called Little Liberty? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. So would you say that's a micro-application of your libertarian philosophy? I would say definitely. Um, I wouldn't even say micro. I would say macro. Um, it's pretty much oh, macro. everything that we do, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, our colors are yellow and brown. Um, you know, yellow, so yellow kind of meaning liberty. Brown, you know, because we serve we serve in our base out of primarily a black and brown area. Um, I myself am a black libertarian. Um, but it's, it's been kind of, you know, some things have been, have been kind of, you know, tough within the movement lately. Um, but, you know, no matter what, we got to weather the storm. Um, but, but even then, you know, it's just been an amazing ride. Uh, I also hail from Students for Liberty, if anybody who's listening knows what that is. Um, it is the largest international um, libertarian student work. 
So what made you get involved in the Libertarian Party in the first place? Was it a long time ago? Was it recent? What led you to the Libertarian Party? Oh, well, yeah, it was pretty recent. It was definitely pretty recent. Um, I want to say about 2019, um, Daniel, I met Daniel Fishman at uh, this thing called LibertyCon, hosted by Students for Liberty. Um, okay. And I told him I had aspirations of running for mayor of Boston one day. And I didn't know at the time that he was actually in Massachusetts serving on uh, the board for the state committee um, for Massachusetts. And it was just really, it was a really interesting connection that we made. Because next year he um, became the executive director of the LP, um, and then as many of you do know, he's now executive director of People for Liberty. But you know, Dan Dan's just an amazing guy. He kind of got me more involved with the LP, and I officially got joined the state committee, um, you know, earlier this year, and I got my affiliate, um, you know, affiliated with the state committee this year as well. I, I had to revive the Boston chapter. Um, so a lot of my involvement locally has just started this year, but I would say I've been involved in the LP overall for about two years. Boston is one of the most popular cities, most well-known cities in the United States. So I'm not going to ask you to describe Boston in general terms. Some of the cities we talk about are places not everyone has heard of. But I will ask you this. What is Boston like from insider's view for somebody that lives there versus somebody that may not live there in the context of politics? Yeah, so in the context of politics, if people are looking to figure out from a duopoly perspective, you're going, to be, you're going to be hard-pressed to do so. I mean, in Massachusetts alone, like, Republican is a dirty word. Um, it's kind of like one of those no-no words. So what we see is a lot of right-wing uh, Democrats, actually. Um, you know, outside of Boston, Boston has a little bit more, is a little bit more left, uh, left-leaning, um, more sort of socialist practices. But um, I would say, like, everyone's pretty much hungry for liberty out here. Um, you know, maybe it, not, it might not look like economic liberty all the time um, to what many folks would consider in our movement, but definitely social. I think people are definitely looking to just be themselves, be free, um, and live how they want to. And, you know, it all depends on where you live, you know, for what the message you have to promote out is. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes certain things just matter more to different people. Um, you really got to know your, you got to know your city. Um, but, yeah. Sure. How about campuses? For those of us who have not been on a college campus for a while, last I was in school was 2004, we hear a lot of things about cancel culture and suppression of free speech from both left and right can oppose it and also support it. So kindly explain what you view the college campus scene like in the perspective of your efforts to do your libertarian politics. I mean, for me, it hasn't, it hasn't been hostile at all for me. Um, I, I can't really speak to any of my colleagues. I know some of uh, my libertarian friends have expressed um, some of their views being suppressed in the classroom. I, I personally don't share that sentiment. Um, I think that there's always a way to tailor a message, you know, sometimes. And people come off a little, a little abrasive with their message. Um, but some, sometimes, you know, it's not always the right space and place, and I think that is, uh, like, the main thing there. But as far as the... the Culture of free speech, I think most people will look at Boston and say, hey, it's super socialist, you know, super left-leaning. It's a complete expression of free speech, college campuses, yada, yada. Um, but, you know, I think that's just an administrative problem. I think that at the end of the day, that is, you know, an authoritarian issue, not necessarily left or right. Um, because even okay. like students with violence, you know. Um, I mean, even especially black students on campuses, um, especially when we, when we find ourselves um, in different, you know, different classes. Well, I remember having an Egyptian friend, um, and she 
was kind of like pushing back against uh, the idea that Egyptians were supposed to be like called Arabs or were technically Arabs or Middle Eastern. Um, and she was, she, you know, was silenced in the terms of like talent by professors in terms of like bad grades because she was supposed to be like the minority who just went with the flow. Um, but, but, you know, we don't always have that. Um, I think that in general, though, I haven't experienced for myself personally many issues with free speech. Okay. So in the Boston area, what are the main political issues that the area is facing, and how is the Libertarian Party of Boston dealing with those issues? I'm sorry, can you read the question? Yes. In the Boston area, what are the major political issues facing the city, and how is the Libertarian Party of Boston addressing those issues? Definitely. I love this question. Um, so some of the so the five biggest issues we have COVID um, as with the rest of the U.S. Um, we also have uh, specifically like there's a lot of reinvigorated talk around like reparations. Um, that's a huge one as well um, in the city, at least uh, at least uh, when we see in one district or in seven. Um, but as well as you know methadone mile talks, homelessness and addiction, um, you know responses. Uh, there's so much that the city does wrong, and there's so many ways in which the city has contributed. Um, to those issues specifically. Um, and I would say number four, we're looking at the occupational licensing is another huge one that's been on the docket as well as um, BPS reform. So, you know, the elected school committee um, that we kind of just started, that we just voted for this year. Um, and, and that speaks, I think, to Boston's blue or, or Boston's authoritarian nature because originally the, the school committee was appointed um, by the man. Uh, so that, that was a huge, huge, huge development. Um, when we talk about occupational licensing, a lot of people are restricted from just opening their own businesses because they don't have certain certifications. They don't afford certain certifications, as many people may know. Um, you know, and it's kind of, a, it's almost an atrocity when a hairdresser has to go to school for more time than a police officer. Um, you know, it's, it's really weird. And I would say it's to add a sixth issue, um, gun rights. You know, I mean, a lot of people are, are really, really hungry. Um, for their gun rights, especially in the middle of COVID, especially in the middle of, like, just an uptick in violence, specifically in the black and brown areas of Boston. In regard to homelessness, what would you say is the libertarian approach to homelessness? I understand some people would interpret the libertarian approach as homeless people are violating private property, so we need to remove them from private property. So how do you view homelessness Absolutely, as, from the libertarian perspective? Yeah, 100%. I, I really do hate that, that viewpoint um, because all you're doing is exacerbating the issue, right? Um, and if you talk about, you know, the market as a system of incentives, the best incentive for businesses is to collaborate, to, to like at least, uh, you know what I mean, compassionately deal with homelessness in a sustainable way. Um, you know what I mean? Because when people are crapping literally in front of your, in front of the front of your lawn, just sending them back to prison and then going back to rehab and then back to that same shit that they just crapped in front of your business isn't helping you any, you know? Um, and so how do you create sustainable solutions without government interference that really helps solve the issue? I think is the key, is the key to solving that problem. Um, because what we see from government is constant aggression. You know, it's this law and order mentality even among left wing spaces. Um, I mean, we have Rachel Rollins up here who doesn't call it anybody, but that's also a poor response, um, as, as displayed by a lot of people whose homes have been, um, you know, vandalized, uh, you know, by, by the um, homeless and addicted and uh, mental health, mentally impaired communities. Um, but 
I think like the, the real libertarian solution is getting, um, you know, actors with resources to see the value in helping, um, you know, the, those members of their community. I think it, I think ultimately it comes on us as activists, as libertarians, and you know, concerned citizens of our community to go out to businesses, get funding from them, and say, hey, like, if they present plans that we have to address these issues, for instance. Um, you know what I mean? Like we have an engagement center here in Boston that has absolutely no mental health resources there. It's not equipped with any mental health resources. The shelter right next to it is overflowing. Um, and we actually have someone in our affiliate who works at the at the engagement center itself, and people are just ODing there, going there for clothes, maybe a little bit of food here and there, and then right back onto the street where they are literally lined up in encampments in front of the engagement center. Like that helps nobody any. Um, and what would actually be a more sustainable solution is reducing zoning, right, so that we could actually get tiny housing development built. And having people see the value in that, by, for instance, creating tier systems that allow policies to live in, right, and then have, fund, have like, subsidized housing for that for the homeless population, which then gives companies, you know, a, high, a, a social impact report to report on um, to, like, to the masses, like, and do a whole marketing campaign off of like, there are clear cut incentives here. I think if we just use the business principles we love to talk about so much in the community as libertarians, we can easily get these issues solved. Um, I do think that a lot of people are, are more talk than they are action. That, that worries me in our movement. Um, but I think the people who do do good have a large, large impact um, and, and really just do help their communities a ton. Um, and I think we see that in a lot of different chairs with a lot of different affiliates. All right. So what about reparations? What's your party's answer for reparations? So our party actually has not taken a stance on reparations. However, my okay. personal um, take on reparations is that damages were incurred. I think that the payment is owed. Um, I think that that will be any, and under any libertarian stance. Uh, you know, most people's argument would be, well, the government can't give out money, but I would also argue that if someone was harmed by the government, you know, they would expect to receive damages, you know. Um, and when when we look at clear-cut harms, I, I think that there's a clear case for reparations. So how would the government, if it was in your situation in Boston or in a grander scale, maybe state or national level, how would they distribute the reparations? How would the process be? I actually wouldn't know too much on that. I can I can speak on that as far as reparations topics go. There are many more knowledgeable scholars. Um, to me, uh, just speaking on the principle of reparation, uh, that's, that was my last statement. Um, but I actually wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't know too much on exactly how that would be delineated. I know different groups have different ideas, um, like the ADOS people, the African descendants of slavery, um, you know, versus, for instance, a group like New Democracy Coalition, um, you know. Different people are fighting for different fights. Some people are fighting for the international community's reparations in accordance with, um, you know, the domestic black fight. Um, some people are fighting, fighting specifically for the domestic black fight with, uh, a tinge, a tinge of xenophobia. So you never really know, um, you know, what's going on there. Uh, so I, I just speak on the, the principle generally, um, as far as the specifics, uh, not my, not my ballpark. Okay. So you you said that you're the chair, right? Yeah. Okay. What are the responsibilities of your role? One hundred percent. So my role is specifically here to help engage, help well, preside over all meetings, of course, um, ensure that there's an agenda for every meeting. Um, that kind of I set up the flow of every meeting. 
Um, and then uh, even aside from that, making sure that I assist my affiliate members um, however possible in their activism, um, be it, you know, helping them, you know, develop um, anti-mandate process, uh, you know, getting out petition drives, setting up rallies, um, whatever I can really do to help people be active. Uh, my, my main, main responsibility as well is to help set up um, races to get people elected. Uh, really, really just helping people enter the electoral space um, and influencing the political party. Sounds good. So in regard to COVID, most of the libertarians that I've come across and most of the ones we've interviewed on this podcast, if not all of them, are against the mandates and the lockdowns. How would you address the concern that some people would have? They would say that it would, in essence, by not not doing that, you by spreading the virus, by not wearing masks, you are going against the libertarian principle of non-aggression because the viruses are deadly and they can kill people. So how would you address that? I mean, many people, many people do feel that way, and I think that, it's again, it's important for us to hit that from compassion, because what is really being said there, um, the emotion behind that statement is, I'm scared that people will infect me. I am scared that people will risk my life, you know, um, based on, based on you know, their, their lack of knowledge of their own health. And I, and I would respond to that with this. Um, one, I don't... I don't, I don't, I don't find that an adequate argument in the idea that, you know, I mean, like, you need to find a way to protect yourself. Um, you know, like, there, there's things that will harm your life inherently in almost any community out there. And, you know, it's sad to say, but you really can't control the actions of another person regardless of what the law says. Um, you know, if a person will walk out with a mask, they're going to walk out with a mask, most of it's going to happen to a business. Like, an inspector will come and the business will be at fault, um, you know, when we talk about the bandit. Um, so the bandits don't have the desired effect that most people want them to have. Um, and so it's very important for us to be intentional about how we are going about, you know, and ensuring, like, public health. And I think the best way to ensure public health is, say, if you're not comfortable with these people and you can afford to do so, stay home. You know what I mean? Um, you know, if you find yourself very much to be a vulnerable person, um, see see what areas around you have, you know, closed-off hours um, for the people who are who – are, you know, specifically vulnerable to COVID, um, whatever may have you. But what cannot happen um, is, you know, essentially you telling people, hey, like, you need to wear this mask. You need to show me um, this, this. Well, actually, let me backtrack that. You cannot tell people you just want to wear this mask. I think that that is where things get a little bit icky, um, especially with people being very wary of how COVID um, is, is is being responded to by the government, um, especially with the lack of trust in government. It's, it's very, very hard. So it's, it's really just, I think it's a, it's a hapless fight, to be honest. Um, I think as, as far as people who are pro-mandate are concerned. Um, but yeah. So what types of activities does the Boston Area Libertarian Party do? 100%. Yes. So we've been doing some meetups lately. Um, originally earlier in the year, we were doing homelessness advocacy in the sense of providing food to the homeless uh, and, and addiction-affected people of methadone mile, um, drafting up statewide plans um, to help deal with homelessness and addiction as well as local plans specifically, um, you know, to, to kind of push out to our local government. Um, we've held rallies um, connecting, you know, both our local work and the state organization um, to over 40-plus organizations across Massachusetts. 
um, you know, we've been we've been we've been kicking hard, you know, just despite all of the, a lot of the, the setbacks that we may have had throughout the year. All right. So, what is your affiliate's future plans? One hundred percent. I I so me as chair. Um, sitting in this current term, our first term of a reaffiliated chapter, uh, well, for a reaffiliated affiliate, <laughs> um, I can't speak too much, especially on like what you know, what's going to happen um, in like two years down the road. But what I want to see um, for my affiliate, at least, the goals that I would love to see my affiliate pursuing is getting some people elected. Man. Um, I could, we kind of got this, we got, we got the races set up. There are plenty of open seats. There are plenty of great places for us to have libertarians really just make a good um, step forward. Um, and I don't want to talk so much about my affiliate, my affiliate members know know what's available out there, and I want to keep it um, kind of on the low, just so anyone who's listening, it, it, it's, it's nothing against anybody. Um, it's just really important that we keep that, that information sensitive. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot of opportunity um, coming in 2022 to Boston Libertarians. I mean, it's beautiful to see. Um, a lot of uh, – actually, at our last meetup, we had sat, we sat down, uh, had a few drinks, and really discussed about some of the opportunities open and about some of the people we may want to see run. Um, and we may have a libertarian in Massachusetts uh, State House. Who knows? Oh, my. That would be exciting. Yeah, man. It would be, it would be exciting. I think, I think it would be a – We've got we've gotten one libertarian into, into city Massachusetts city council so far. Um, the next step up would be mayor, but you know uh, if we could if we could skip that that the mayor seat and go straight up into a state house seat that would be amazing. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean mayor mayor is way harder than a state than a state house seat, but at the same time it's just uh, so amazing. What about you personally? What are your future plans? You're graduating from college in a year or two, right? Yeah, yeah. About two years. And are you going, you said you run a business, so are you going to run your business after, do that in another career, or what do you see the future like? Yeah, so my, one of my goals, one of my main goals is definitely to break into um, Ernst & Young and work in assurance um, and compliance with teaching companies about how to, you know, how to, how to better operate within, you know, the rules and regulations of their, um, you know, you know, other countries, states, um, and even cities, uh, you know. But uh, aside from that, I think I definitely want to just focus on growing my business um, once everything's kind of said and done here with the LP. Um, you know, I want to really just commit myself to my studies fully um, and actually, you know, develop my political career. As a as a consultant, you know it's one of my it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'm, I find myself to be a very tuned in person, um, even when I don't want to be. So it's it's really cool. It's really helpful um, when you can you know help other people out and figure things out um, about about their races. Sure. So how can our audience support you and the Boston area Libertarian Party? One hundred percent. Um, folks can support the Boston Area Libertarian Party by simply just following our Facebook page, um, Great Boston Libertarian. Um, we are the great out the skyline of Boston. <laughs> um, and yeah, give us a like, a follow, um, check out some of the stuff we posted. Uh, you know, stay tuned in with the work. Um, and, and you know, whenever you know, the more people we have, the more eyes we are paying attention to the stuff we do. 
you know, the, the more the more people are paying attention, the better. That's just that. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Jeremy, yeah. thank you. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, my apologies. I just want to say as well, um, and if folks want to support me specifically, um, there is uh, my fraternity, uh, Omega Sci-Fi, is currently hosting um, a kid's toy drive um, to get kids who are in underserved communities some toys for the holiday season, um, you know, before New Year's. So that is, again, uh, Omega Sci-Fi, the Gamma Chapter, and they are doing some amazing stuff over there. So how would they support you for that? Is there a link or email or website? How do they support you yeah. for that? So there is an Omega Sci-Fi Gamma Chapter Instagram page. Um, you can find that at... Can you still hear me? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. So you could find them at uh Jesus, I'm I'm having like a trouble I'm having trouble finding them there again. Bad. <laughs> okay. How about this? If you want to give me their name again, the name of the fraternity, then I can put maybe put that in the show notes and then people can look that up on Instagram and hopefully it'll come up. How's that yeah, sound? I can just shoot you a link and, and we can just go from there, yeah. But again, that is Omega Sci-Fi, the Gamma Chapter. Um, again, you can find them on Instagram, actually, at the Gamma Chapter underscore Q's, Q-U-E-S. Um, again, that is Gamma Chapter underscore Q's, Q-U-E-S. Um, go, go check them out, amazing guys. Sounds good. Jeremy, thank you kindly for coming on the podcast and sharing your views and what your party is doing. Definitely. Thanks for having me. All the best to you in the Boston area libertarian city. Thank you, Andrew. Have a great day. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.